Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brad Restituto. Seven years. Handoff. Damian Williams trying to get to the edge. Breaks a tackle. What's going on, everyone? It's Spencer the Wiz filling in once again for Brad Restituto here on the Rest Stop. The podcast goes live every Tuesday and Thursday from 9 to 10 Pacific Standard Time. You can watch the show live via Twitter at Brad the Believer on his Facebook profile, or on Twitch under Landry Football. If you look that up, you'll find it. You can also listen back on the show, which is posted immediately uh, after its conclusion. Just look up Landry Football Conference Call wherever you listen, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever the case may be. Brad is on vacation, of course. And uh, like I said on Tuesday, these these episodes are going to be a little shorter. Uh, I think this episode in particular will probably be a good 30 minutes. I don't want to drag things on. I want to get the news to you from what's been happening from Tuesday to Thursday. That way you can understand it. I'm going to be going over some NFL free agency news. Uh, Deshaun Watson, which will actually be coming up first in his uh, crazy saga that he has going on right now. I'm going to go over some of the big uh, award races for the NBA We'll go over some NBA action, and actually tonight we'll do a little bit of pop culture because Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League was released on HBO Max tonight, and I watched it with a buddy. It's four hours long, so I'll give you guys my take on that and whether or not it was worth all the hubbubaloo of making it happen. But yeah, like I said, the Deshaun Watson situation is getting much worse. So yesterday it was reported that a masseuse in Houston filed a claim against him for sexual misconduct. Watson was adamantly opposed to it, saying that he would not accept the settlement sent to him. He even took to Twitter and posted this. It was just like a notes thing. As a result of social media posts by a publicly seeking plaintiff's lawyer, I recently became aware of a lawsuit that has apparently been filed against me. I have yet to seen this complaint, but I know this. I have never treated any woman with anything other than the utmost respect. The plaintiff's lawyer claims that this is, isn't about money, but before filing suit, he made a baseless six-figure settlement demand, which I quickly rejected. Unlike him, this isn't about money for me. It's about clearing my name, and I look forward to doing that. Uh, I want to thank... <laughs> yeah, it is very long. So thank you to Cassandra Cousineau for checking in on the rest stop tonight. So if you're sticking at the end, uh, I'll tell you how what I thought of it. I'm actually quite impressed, even though it was maybe a little too long. So you'll hear my opinion on that. The masseuse has been, uh, getting back to the Sean Watson situation, the masseuse has been steadfast in her claim, saying, quote, it became apparent that Watson wanted a massage for only one reason, sex. She also said he verbally threatened her at some point, so much so that he apologized later that day via text message. I mean, that looks pretty bad against him, if if that text message exists, of course. The Texans came out quickly saying that matter they take matters like this very seriously and that any allegations, you know, wouldn't go be thrown under the bus. So they look like the good guys here. Uh, some people think that this is a setup from the Texans uh, to end any trade talks and make Watson look bad. Uh, the storyline would for that would be a lot for Watson, you know, saying the Texans set him up would 
but two more women had not come out today with sexual assault claims. Uh, Those other two women just so happened to be masseuses as well. So there's a little bit of a pattern here. Two of the lawsuits say he had touched them inappropriately. And the other is that he forced himself on here. I won't go on graphic details. I just don't really want to. Uh, So they're kind of disturbing. Watson is innocent until proven guilty, of course. But if these are true, this could be the end of his career. We live in a world that has come a long way since the days of Kobe Bryant and Big Ben's sexual assault trials. I'm not saying either of them were guilty, but sexual assault is taken much more seriously now. No matter the case, these trials will be going on for a long time, and the young QB will not be going anywhere. Uh, Kusuno came in and said, uh, Watson's situation is a problem. He's going to have to address it publicly, not just... Uh, you know, not just in court. I agree with you. And I think if he is, if this is true, it should be the end of his career. I don't care if he was going to go into the hall of fame or not. If, if that's true and we can actually give a punitive punishment, a serious one for one of the league's top quarterbacks, then I think you could actually see a shift in attitude in the NFL because we've seen plenty of domestic disputes go under like between wives over children, these guys get jobs the next year and it gets thrown under the bus. They go back to making millions of dollars. Sounds like a setup uh, that somebody knew uh, where the bones were in the closet. Doesn't mean he did anything. Doesn't mean he didn't either. And I, I totally agree with you on that front. We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I'm not going to tell everybody listening that he's the worst person in the world because if it is a setup, then look, I mean, that's really unfortunate that something would do that. We live in a world where people who put Gorilla Glue in their hair can get like $100 million for a free surgery. And I'm not saying this is apple to apples, but clearly people are looking for the easy way out a lot of the times. And this could be that. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, So now we can go into some of the more just general free agency news here. I don't know if you heard this, but Mitchell Trubisky, uh, the idea of him getting a starting job somewhere else is over. Uh, he signed a one-year deal with the Bills worth only $2.5 million. It's kind of sad to think that his career is close to coming to an end after being drafted second overall. And, of course, the Bears traded up in that draft to get him. Uh, he'll always be known as the quarterback taken ahead of Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. I actually think the XFL should be calling his number this offseason to be one of their bigger names to star in their league. He'd get a much better chance to showcase his talent than sitting behind Josh Allen or any other quarterback in the league for that matter. Uh, Last year proved that the NFL is paying enough attention to the XFL to make that happen. Look, he's got a 29-21 and record in all of his starts. He has taken the Bears to the playoffs twice. Uh, So I I, I don't know what to expect from him. Obviously, nothing this season. We'll see a little bit of him in the preseason, I'm assuring I'm assuming that's happening. Uh, But other than that, I'm not sure why he did it. I also saw a report that said he took less money to join the Bills, so I must really be interested in the system they have going on over there. Uh, I don't think Josh Allen, he's been pretty healthy. uh, So, I mean, but anything can happen on any week, and we'll see if Mr. Trubisky can get another chance somewhere. Uh, I just kind of doubt it. Will Fuller, uh, who I predicted on Tuesday would not be going anywhere soon, signed a one-year deal with the Miami Dolphins. The receiver gets, uh, I think, $10 million, which is around what I thought he would go for. Uh, He's not actually going to be making his debut within the Dolphins until week two because of a suspension for performance-enhancing drug violations stemming back from last year. Uh, Before he was suspended, he had 53 receptions for 879 yards and eight touchdowns. Now, he was taking steroids at the time, so I guess you could say that's probably why his production shot up. Uh, But he actually looked like he was going to have his first healthy season which is something we had never seen from him. Fuller uh, will be joining Devontae Parker and Mike Giske, I think that's how you say his name, to form a nice little trio of weapons uh, for second-year quarterback Tua Tagovailoa, uh, who they are desperately hoping that they did not make a mistake on by drafting him so high because they got rid of Ryan Fitzpatrick. He went over to the Washington football team. And the Dolphins actually have another chance to add skill position players. They have four picks in the first two rounds. Uh, so what he can do here. Yeah, I, I going back to Mitchell Trubisky, I agree that Buffalo is a pretty good spot for him to be. I mean, he needs a little bit of time to develop. And maybe it was a little unfair of them to expect so much of him coming out of college. I'm not sure he was NFL ready. I mean, uh, Brad in particular, who is the host of this podcast, actually really believes in the talent that he has. Uh, so, you know, maybe it's good for him to lay low and to learn behind a younger guy than him, but still. 
Uh, more NFL free agency news. We're just going to go right on through all of this. AJ Green is joining the Cardinals on a one-year deal worth up to $8.5 million. Uh, Green will be the second option for the first time in his career, now that he plays with DeAndre Hopkins, of course. Blair Fitzgerald has yet to make a decision on whether or not he will be joining the team. Again, although this could help persuade him, maybe coming out of retirement to form this nice little trio of veteran receivers for their young quarterback, looking to make a lot of progression, to have a lot of maturity coming out of him. Green is three years removed from his last his last uh, one thousand yard season, and will have a a lot to prove to himself and to the league that he can still be productive on a weekly basis. The Cardinals have been one of the more active teams in free agency. They also added uh, Rodney Hudson in a trade, and of course, we all know that JJ Watt in free agency, among others. This season may have proven that the NFC West is the most competitive, bar none. The Rams, of course, added Matthew Stafford earlier this season in a trade, and the 49ers will be returning from their massive influx of injuries they had last year. And we all know that Russell Wilson has made a bunch of gripes about his concerns with the team, but as long as he's there, there's no reason to believe they won't be like a bottom feeders. They'll probably be right back in the playoffs and you know ready to hopefully not get bounced in the first round. The Cards, again, I know he's three years removed, but we all know what A.J. Green can be. And now when he has a lot of attention taken off of him, I think in that veteran role, he may be able to step up. We've seen Larry Fitzgerald continue his career. If he was the first option still, he'd be retired long ago because he just can't get open against the best corners. And if Larry Fitzgerald does come back, that adds even less pressure off of A.J. Green. So I, I do also love what they're doing, and I, I don't know if it's enough. I don't know if their QB can step up enough to kind of make that next leap forward. We'll just have to wait and see, but they'll be one of the more entertaining teams to watch. They are my uh, hornets of the NFL, if you will, in terms of just they are must-watch television. Uh, so the Raiders actually made a pretty bizarre move, signing Kenyon Drake to a two-year it's $14.5 million total, but I think guaranteed is $11 million over the two-year span. Uh, last year, he had 955 yards rushing, 137 yards receiving, and 10 total touchdowns. Excuse me. Drake will split carries with Josh Jacobs, who's coming off of a 1,000-yard season himself. Uh, however, his yards per carry went from 4.8 in his rookie season to 3.9 in 2020. You could also say it was because of all the offensive line moves. The Raiders, of course, are missing three of their starters from last year, although I think they got Nick Martin in free agency just before I came on. So the center position is shored up after Rodney Hudson just went to the Cardinals, like I said. Uh, this could actually be good, I think, for Josh Jacobs' longevity to have another talented runner opposite of him to kind of alleviate some of that workload. And he actually didn't have a lot going into uh, this year or last year, I should say, like from college, he didn't run the ball that much from Alabama. And I think that's good, right? When you're in year seven, you would actually like your running back to not be killed and be looking to go somewhere else and look younger like most of the teams in the league do. Uh, but, you know, th their cap space is actually not very good. I think they are going to be $4 million over the cap. They've talked to Marcus Mariota, Carl Nassib, among others. They're probably going to be releasing a lot more guys. Uh, but they still have to find, I think, two more offensive linemen. I don't think they want to like randomly shore that up. And there's also the issue of the Raiders, who I think now are going to be looking at Devontae Smith more than ever, which is very unfortunate because there was a lot of free agents they could have used to fill that spot for Nelson Aguilar uh, because they have that first pick. And, you know, they got in Dockway. There's still a lot of defensive guys. I know they got a safety replace Eric Harris, but he wasn't a big name. They should have been going after Anthony Harris for the Vikings, but that's not going to happen until they either trade Marcus Mariota. And also one of the other running backs is probably going to be playing the same position. So be look on the lookout for that. Kyle Rudolph is headed to the New York Giants uh, on a two-year, $14 million contract. He did not want to take a pay cut for the Vikings. That's why he ended up getting released. Uh, he did have a massive production in his uh, in the past two seasons, he had less than 500 yards in each of the last two. In 2020, he only had one receiving touchdown, which I believe would probably be the lowest in his career. I don't even know if I have to look at a stat sheet for that. But Danny Dimes, he now will get two tight ends to throw to with former Ole Miss tight end Evan Ingram. Uh, New York actually also likes to play him in the wideout as a receiver sometimes. So in those sets, you can actually also add Kyle Rudolph, which is a little adds a lot of versatility to their offense. He is 31 years old now, and he will probably be used in a lot more blocking schemes because Evan Ingram pretty much can't block at all. 
but it'll be interesting to see if he can find a new life and see if they actually end up doing some two tight end set, two tight end sets. And uh, if Danny Dimes, if this is enough help, because at this point, I think they're close to Kenny Dalladay, although I know he hasn't signed just quite yet. If they can get on top of that, they actually were building upon something last year. They were going to be the laughing stock of the league that ended up being the Jets, who we, people thought would improve. And this division is wide open. So this kind of like mini arms race, which isn't actually an arms race to go to the Super Bowl just to make the playoffs in that NFC division. I'd say they're doing a pretty good job. Uh, and so that was some NFL free agency. Uh, oh, actually, I'll also add this one. Patrick Peterson did join on the Vikings. So they lost their tight end, but got another veteran on the way back. Uh, his first seven year run in the, uh, from his rookie season was absolutely incredible. All pros, Pro Bowls. Uh, but last year, according to Pro Football Focus, he was 142nd amongst all quarterbacks, according to their metrics, which, you know, you can say whether or not is actually a good measure. But he gave up five touchdowns and allowed 66.7% of his targets to be completed. Uh, Peterson, you know, he still has this Hall of Fame caliber self inside of him, but it'll be he's going to be the cornerback number one, I said on Tuesday show that on all those list of cornerbacks, they shouldn't be number ones because they aren't anymore, but he's going to be playing with Jeff Gladley and Chris Boyd. These guys are in their, will be in their second and third years coming up here. So they're going to expect a lot out of him. And I'm not sure he can live up to this contract of around $10 million. We'll see. Uh, I'm, I've been a big fan of him since joining. I mean, who hasn't like even in his rookie season when he's returning punts, he's just electric when he actually is, in there and in his prime. So we'll see like what kind of relationship he can have with those guys and whether or not they will try to put Jeff Gladley still on some of these younger guys and let him kind of cook with the second best receivers and dealing with that. Uh, so we can move on to uh, some NBA and I'm going to show a lot of clips from this one. Uh, and I can't believe this is actually news, but I, I guess there was beef started with Giannis Attentacumpo taking a seat uh, in the 76ers in an overtime game. And I'm going to see if I can pull up the highlight here. Go ahead and check out what Giannis did last night that caused all this controversy. To Lopez, Giannis gets it back, attacking the paint now. Little quick sit dribble and knocks it home and turning out the lights on Doc Rivers. Yes, yeah, sit down. Oh, yeah. Ooh, man, that's so spicy. So as if there's any integrity left in the game, in true, just dorky fashion, Dwight Howard had this to say in postgame about Giannis's crazy behavior. I wanted to go and stone cold stunner him, but uh, I already got one tech. You know, um, you know, it's basketball. He, he, he want to have fun, but, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see these guys again. You know, we don't want to make a big scene about what he did, but, you know, that, our, today we, we, we allowed them to get back in the game. Um, so you know yeah a cold stunner from Dwight Howard but he only had that if he just didn't have that one tech there would be a big old brawl right I'm not going to sit here and act like team rivalry matters anymore players are never on the same team for too long and we all know these guys are friends off the court we live in a world where these players have known each other for now since AAU before the age of social media it was difficult to have a relationship with players on other teams just think back uh, to like 2005, how diff like your group of friends were the people immediately around you. It had nothing to do with having friends in New York and other here. You might be able to keep in touch with them through mail or through phone call, but now it's all connected. So in case you actually forgot what a real rivalry in the NBA looked like, take a look at this video, and I think you'll remember it and remember it quite fondly. Lakers are trying to get out and, and break now, but the wrong people are shooting. I wouldn't want Fisher necessarily to take that shot that fast. Uh-oh. Oh, and there's a swing by O'Neal. And they've got a blue ha on the floor. Yesterday was a lame excuse for media coverage pushed by the league that hopefully no one else will take the bait for. I'm certainly not falling for it. Just think back to on like the Lakers and Celtics rivalry, which matters absolutely nothing anymore, despite LeBron James being 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 on the Lakers still. And, you know, it's just kind of sad because I love the actual game of basketball, not just the X's and O's, but all of that goes around at the drama. So much of that has been taken out. 
I think a big portion of it has been this massive increase in cap space where mega teams like the Brooklyn Nets are even possible. But that'll be a discussion for another time. Maybe Brad uh, next week can come on the podcast and we can talk about that as well. That's not the only reason the Bucs were in uh, media coverage yesterday. And uh, because P.J. Tucker was traded uh, from the Houston Rockets to Milwaukee. So what happened was Milwaukee actually... Uh, the Bucks send a first round pick back to them in exchange for DJ Augustin, DJ Wilson, and their 2023 unprotected first rounder. So they get the one back from last year. I don't have no idea what trade it originated from. And they end up giving that first round pick later in 2023. A move that uh, Tucker has been waiting for for quite some time now uh, that ended in him like basically refusing to show up to games. They equally agreed. Uh, they mutually agreed to part ways. Uh, Tucker will help the Bucks during the small ball lineups, being one of the best rebounders at his position. He played small ball five, even at his size, and he did a pretty good well, a pretty good job of it through all those years, even bringing them to a conference championship that way. He can also provide some important scoring while Giannis sits on the bench, which we all know has been a massive problem for years now. PJ also fits their typical schemes defensively and will likely be the last piece the Bucks add for their playoff run because their cast base is so insanely tight. Uh, PJ should prove to be a big asset for this collision course they have with the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs since uh, rebounding is definitely one of their weak suits. Tucker can even guard James Harden, Giannis can guard Kevin Durant, and Drew Holiday will guard Kyrie Irving. I like the way they match up on a fundamental level because, yes, he can guard James Harden, but he can also get some of these important rebounds. Brooklyn is going to continue struggle defensively, and we all know Milwaukee prides itself on that end of the board. Milwaukee would stay... You know, we'll still be the favorite, of course, if they do end up matching up, whether it be in the conference finals or the second round. But I just think they have a chance now because before, like what Dante DiVincenzo was going to be the one guarding James Harden mostly. And, you know, Drew Holiday, of course, isn't going to be able to just completely knock out Kyrie and James Harden by himself. That's an impossible task. Even I don't even think he'll be able to do it on one end. But if Brooklyn is forced to play defense because we know Milwaukee will put a lot of pressure on them, like that is going to be their chance. Giannis is going to have like 15 rebounds a game. And if PJ Tucker can somehow get into that 10 range, then you start seeing some fundamental shifts and like exposing Brooklyn for what it is outside of this three headed horse, which will be scoring roughly 110, 115 a night against Milwaukee. And I would say against most teams as they get closer to the finals appearance, because defense is just a little tighter when it comes to the playoffs versus, you know, them playing the Pistons or the Knicks where they can just kind of go off every night and guys aren't giving it their all necessarily. Miles Leonard uh, and more basketball news. His life continues to crumble after his anti-Semitic comments while on a Twitch stream. Uh, he was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Trevor Reza in a 2027 second round pick, if you can believe that. Uh he had to actually waive his no trade clause to make this move happen, uh, but he's also expected to become a free agent this summer. He's already out this year with a shoulder injury, so none of this really mattered. I guess Jews around the world can rest easy knowing he'll be making $10 million in OKC as opposed to Miami. Uh, but he'll be getting another job next year when the story has long been forgotten. That's just a big deal right now. Although I can't imagine the 29-year-old will be extending his career much longer being that he has only had 5.6 points, 3.9 rebounds, and 0.9 assists a game as his career you know, average for all of those categories. And again, I'll say this as a Jewish person in my perspective, I, don't, I think releasing him was probably just a little too harsh. I doubt that Trevor Reza will be a part of any of their plans. This guy hasn't played in about two years. He's been away the team for personal reasons. He's just not that guy that we remember him to be when he was 28 years old. This kind of awesome wing player for the Houston Rockets, even when he went over to Washington, you know, it's just, you kind of see the regression of his game. He was never an all time great, just kind of a role player circulating around. I think they really just got rid of miles Leonard just to say, you know, look, this is the kind of the conclusion of that chapter. We don't want him in his locker room. Although I, I don't know if I took the right route about it. I mean, Think about it this way. I mean, if this guy probably isn't actually racist, I think he's just stupid. I think he's a young, stupid millionaire. And when it becomes this harsh, I think you're really feeding into this idea that people craze upon on social media, which is cancel culture, which is real in some sort of way. But I think when you do stuff like this, you kind of rationalize a lot of people who think that you can't say anything anymore. Now, his offense was pretty harsh. 
But if he did learn from his mistake, I think it looks better to see a guy who has redeemed himself versus like throwing them to the gutter the second you say something wrong. You could say the same thing about Gina Carano and many others and how the standards aren't exactly the same. Uh, but, you know, if you guys have any comments about that, I guess we can go back and forth on it. But other than that, that's just kind of how I feel about the Miles Leonard situation. Uh, but in a more exciting news and more fun, uh, we can talk about a couple of awards here during the half point of the season. And we'll go for Rookie of the Year and MVP. I'll give kind of my rough top five. And there's also going to be another discussion when we talk about MVP. But at number five, I have rookie Sadiq Bey, who plays for the Detroit Pistons, if you didn't know. Uh, one of my favorite picks from the draft. And they actually got extremely lucky because their other two picks in the draft are not good. And one of them had such a severe hip injury. It was the same one as Isaiah Thomas suffered that ended his career because I don't think he's ever going to get on another NBA team. Uh, so we have no idea what's going to happen with him. But Bay comes from a long list of Villanova products who have proven to translate into NBA talent. He, in the just the past three years, I'm thinking off the top of my head here, Mikhail Bridges and Jalen Brunson, I think they all actually played together at some point, those three guys. And they won a national title as well. Let's not forget that. Bay had his best performance of his career the other night with 28 points, 12 rebounds on 6 of 10 shooting from outside and a 116-112 victory over the Toronto Raptors. In fact, the only other rookie to have more threes in the first 35 games in NBA history is Laurie Markkinen and Luka Doncic. He is benefiting off of a new system, so I'm sure there are other rookies who are better three-point shooters than him that didn't have the opportunity to shoot the ball. But, you know, again, they are very lucky to have at least gotten something out of going all in. They went one of three in this year's draft, in my opinion. So take that for what you will. At number four, I'll take Anthony Edwards simply because of how weak this year's draft is. He is averaging 16.2 points, 4.1 rebounds, and 2.5 assists. These scoring numbers are a little inflated on a 38.5 field goal percentage, and he's also shooting 31.8% from three-point range. His athletic ability has been on full display, and I'll show you a highlight here in a second when uh, he basically took out, I can't think of his name here. Uh, I'll, well, you'll hear it in the highlight. Take a look at what he did earlier. It's actually kind of insane. And that's really the difference, Dave, between high school to college, college to the NBA, is how quickly people close out to you. And that's why as shooters, you, you got to adjust your game at every level. The game is so fast. Timberwolves will take off a little bit of time here. Ooh, they were lucky that wasn't turned over. Anthony Edwards, that time he does finish with the exclamation point. What about he got his feelings hurt on this one? I mean, that is absolutely filthy. Look like that. Put that on a poster. Uh, so that was that was actually Yuta Wantanabe, former Memphis Grizzly, or, or I should say Memphis Hustle Moore in the G League. I followed him in his career, and it's sad to see that happen to him. He got actually eviscerated. That's kind of crazy. Uh, still, in a time without D'Angelo Russell, this was a real chance for him to show everyone, you know, why he deserved to be taken first overall. He has a lot of maturing to do as the Timberwolves are just two and eight in their last 10, despite having Carl Anthony Towns back in the lineup. John Collins has been connected to them as they hope to pair Towns with more talent, although nothing in Minnesota happens without the progress of Edwards, even if they get uh, John Collins, which is more of a pipe dream than anything. At number three, I have Emmanuel Quickly, who is shown to be one of the top prospects in this year's draft. It was If it was redone, he would definitely go in the top 10, in my opinion. In only 20 minutes per game, he's scoring 12.8 points while dishing out 2.4 assists. Quickly has been forced to split time with Alfred Payton and now Derrick Rose after the trade. In a time of injuries, he has been given a chance to start in a few contests. Uh, actually, in the start against Brooklyn on March 15th, he had 21 points with two assists without a singular turnover. He does have a lot of developing to do, like learning how to actually run an offense and be a bigger part of the defensive scheme that Tibbs has. But uh, he'll be a pivotal piece for the Knicks, who are currently sitting as the A seed in the East. And the additional benefit is he was not taken in the top 10, of course. So he will also not be that big of a presence of for them when it comes to their contract 
negotiations as they look to kind of sign a bigger free agent here coming up. Uh, so at number two, uh, the spot belongs to Tyrese Halliburton. His numbers don't jump off the page, but that's only because he doesn't get a lot of playing time because he plays behind Buddy Heald and De'Aaron Fox. Right now, he's scoring 12.5 points a contest with 5.2 assists and 1.4 steals. He's among the most efficient scorers in the NBA and one of the best when it comes to assist turnover ratios. When the team eventually decides to move on from Heald or Fox in the near future, which I predict they will, the Kings will have lucked out in getting a franchise-level point guard to build around. Sacramento has fallen far from the playoff race once again before the halfway point arrived, and they're currently the 13th seed in the West with the 16-24 and 24 record. I think Buddy Heald's going to be the one gone uh, because they just signed De'Aaron Fox to like a really big uh, extension, and I, there's probably no trade cause in there. Buddy Heald, as far as I know, doesn't have anything like that. And the number one spot is obvious, and you know that's Lamelo Ball, the product of the pure craziness stemming from their father, from his father, I should say, Lavar, for the past five years or so. Let's take a moment though to look at some of his uh, highlights so far in the season. I won't play all of these; it's kind of a long highlight video. And the creator of this highlight package is obviously he'll be like in the beginning of it. I'm not trying to take this guy's highlights. I didn't. I would never have time to do something like this. But take a look. Absolutely okay with that. <laughs> he was thinking about grabbing a tamale in the locker room. Nope. And LaMelo not only a steal, yeah, but a yeah. three. Yeah. Phoenix to get up a shot from three. Booker was open. Paul didn't see him. LaMelo has eaten on it. Darts through. Crossover, left to right. Once he gets by the big guy, he knows nope. Lamelo has Crowder on him now. Oh yes! I'll cut it off there, but uh, obviously you saw some really impressive stuff from the rookie. Uh, since because Devontae Graham's injury, he has actually been starting since February 1st, and I think now it's just kind of his job. He's averaging 19.8 points, 6.6, and uh, 6.2 rebounds. More impressively to me, he's shooting nearly 45% from downtown. His rebounding and assists are about on par with what I thought they would be, but what he has shown, he's been more developed of a score than anyone thought he would be in his first year. It's amazing to think where the Timberwolves might be right now. They have the guts to take the risk on them instead of taking the most generic kind of like, this is what you should be taking. Uh, it's kind of disgusting to me. I said that they should have drafted LaMelo all the way back on the Delivering Sports Show way back in the day, which it's on a podcast, so you can listen to it. Uh, but he's just open right now, and he is going to win Rookie of the Year, barring some sort of catastrophic thing, which, of course, I and everybody hopes does not happen. So that was the uh, rookie ladder there. Let's look at uh, MVP, the overall NBA MVP. And should number five be Chris Paul? So the cast of TNT seems to think so. I'll also part, play a part of this, although I probably won't play the rest of this as well. But take a look at what you know Charles Barkley and all of them had to say. And seven when they trail going to the fourth quarter. This team is... Uh... This team is for real, Shaq, this Phoenix bunch. Listen, Chris Paul is having a great year. You know, he does have the youngsters playing. He's leading them very well. They're playing well. Devin Booker is starting to get his form back. But I disagree. He's, he should not be mentioned for MVP. He's having a good year. 
I don't think he should be mentioned because if you don't have a chance to win, shouldn't be mentioned. What do you mean you don't have a chance to win? You don't have a chance to win MVP. Stop it. Well, Stop no, it. That, well that's not true. He uh, does not uh, have a chance to win. Well, you, you know what? Your, your comment is making people hate. Yes, he does because, not have a chance to win. It, because you, if you say that he doesn't have a chance, he's not an MVP candidate, now it seems like you're hating. But he's having a great year. And the that. team is having a great year. I said yeah, he's so having is he, a great but year. You're talking about what the Joker and what and Yeah, with MB, come on. Yeah. I mean, LeBron, like they got better, they got better and they got a better record than those yeah, guys you but mentioned. But they just had a guy on his t- but the Joker doesn't have guys that on multiple nights going to get 35. You were just sitting here bragging all last year about my boy Jamal Murray in the bubble. No, I'm I'm saying that Chris Paul is having a great year. But you're making us feel like we're hating if we don't. If say we don't feel like he's like he, like he should be the MVP. There's a difference between I don't understand. If, if any, if if a guy traded for a guy on a last place team, and they, they weren't were, last place last. They, they did not even make the playoffs last year. They weren't. You said last place. Well, they they didn't make the playoffs. They were. Well, I'll cut that off too. I, I mean, Charles Barkley always just said stuff to be kind of annoying, in my opinion. Uh, that's just kind of who he is. And I love Charles Barkley. We actually share the same birthday. So I always have a special connection with him. Uh, but no, he look, he's averaging 15.9 points, 8.8 assists, and 4.7 rebounds. I think the real discussion about this is how upset still deep down inside Shaq is about not getting another MVP trophy because of the year that Steve Nash won, where Steve Nash had kind of, uh, he had better stats, but kind of similar stats where Shaq was actually dominating closer to someone like a Giannis Antetokounmpo. And uh, Charles Barkley, just it's not going to happen. He is not in the race. I mean, I have him at number five-ish. But really the more interesting part is that part the people are already been putting Giannis on their top five list. And that includes ESPN, which I kind of looked at earlier. So on paper, 29.1 points, 6.2 assists, and 11.8 rebounds should put him towards the top. But voters have seen that Giannis might not actually be the most valuable player when it matters the most. The Bucks have lost due to his inability to produce in the half court, despite them having the best record in the NBA the two years prior. While prior years should have technically no bearing on voting in 2021, it's bound to happen anyways. And I agree. Like, Giannis now has two more, or I should not say two more, he has one more MVP trophy than Kobe Bryant. Just thinking about that on a fundamental level, I think is extremely wrong. I doubt that Giannis will ever even be considered towards there unless they were to just go through the finals this year and beat Brooklyn then okay we were all wrong and he should win MVP this season because this might be one of his best years I'm not sure but they are like time you know towards the like the third seed in the east right now normally it goes towards like a one seed or but and that would kind of fall into Joel Embiid's hand who we'll talk about in a second so I'll put LeBron James at my number four spot. He's averaging 25.8 points, 8.9 assists, and 7.8 assists, or 7.8 assists, 8.9 rebounds per game. Despite his continuing age, you know, the, the best player in the world continues to play towards the top of the league, and, you know, he's going to be mentioned this year. LeBron has now missed some time this season before touting an impeccable attendance record where he, like, hadn't missed a game. That's done now. He's already missed some because of an ankle injury. If the Lakers still own the top spot after Anthony Davis's injury, he would probably be number one for me. But at this point, you know, he's at number three. And there's just been more impactful more impactful players who have played on teams above him and some actually below him too. Speaking of, at number three, I'm going to put Nikola Jokic. After a slow start, which he didn't actually have a slow start, the Nuggets have soared to the number five seed. And that's supposed to be behind an eight and two record in their last 10 games. Uh, so the, the rest of the team is now finally starting to catch up with him. He's averaging 26.9 points, 8.6 assists, and 11.2 rebounds. I like to compare him to like Marcus Saw in his last couple of years in Memphis, but if he was 10 years younger than that, where he started to expand his range, and we know that Mark, his entire time with Memphis, could run the offense, but he's doing it all within this one mean package here. So at the center position, besides running the offense, but uh, the only problem is that defensively, he's still kind of a slow poke. He's not even averaging a blocking game, which is not what you like to see out of the center position. But it does feel like he's gotten better every single season, including now. And he seems to be a player that you can have go to the finals and he can be your best player. Whether or not he can win a finals for somebody, I think is yet to be seen. But they did beat the Clippers last year with Kawhi and Paul George, a healthy team. 
It did take them seven games, but they did make it happen. And he was certainly their best player, but you know, and they need Jamal Murray too. Uh, yes. Thank you, Cassandra, for uh, the support. I am holding it down a little bit. Uh, you think if LeBron James does continue to play, he'll be the MVP. I mean, I understand. And I understand that that's kind of been the narrative throughout the season, but I'm going to go over these next two spots and just hear out my argument and you'll see if you agree with me or not, because they are falling a little bit right now. And that number two for me is Damian Lillard. He's caught a special kind of stride as of recent, which also coincides with this turn with the return of CJ McCollum, I should say. I think he came back yesterday or two nights ago. In their most recent performance, Lillard brought the Trailblazers back from 15 plus in a win against the Pelicans, where he finished with 50 points, six rebounds and six assists. Game time seems to take a new meaning every year and his three-point range even further, just going farther and farther back. He was hitting half-court shots in the All-Star game. He probably won't take it, but we have seen this level of play from him in the past few years, but has never translated to winning in the playoffs in any meaningful way. When they went to the conference finals, of course, they got absolutely blown out. When they played the Lakers last year, they got absolutely blown out. But as long as he stays healthy, he will be seeing a large amount of first place votes this year at the end of the season. I just don't think it's going to be enough to give him the kind of overall spot there. Although he's, and I'm hoping for it because I put a bet on him before the season starts. I got uh, like 15 to one odds, which is great. I didn't put too much money on it, but still we'll see. Uh, Despite his most recent injury, Joel Embiid belongs at the number one spot from now. The big man is averaging 30.2 points, grabbing 11.6 rebounds, and has 1.4 blocks a game. More than anything else this season, he has commanded his presence when he's on the court. His physical stature and development have come to fruition from all these years of trusting the process, and Doc Rivers has found a way to keep both Embiid and Simmons successful while on the court, putting them as you know number one in the East as of right now. In their March 3rd matchup with the Utah Jazz, Embiid scored 40 points along with grabbing 19 rebounds on the league's best defender, Rudy Gobert, who has won Defensive Player of the Year, like just nonstop, it seems like. Uh, So that was the MVP talk. And now I'll just go over some highlights from today's games. I'll show you a few of them. And we'll start with a really close game here. That was the Orlando Magic and the New York Knicks. RJ Barrett got things going, got things going early here in the first quarter. And I'll show you guys a little bit of highlights there. Take a look at RJ here. That's right. Rebecca, as uh, Julius Randle talked about that, that he was able to share what was an incredible experience. Says Barrett gets inside. Scoop left-handed layup. Yeah, so RJ and uh, Julius are really connecting well right now, which is huge for them moving forward. And Julius Randle actually had seven assists in the in the first quarter. And take a look here at the end for his seventh one. He's still hoping to develop the young man. He's very agile, has a good shot. Barrett gets inside, counted, and one. Another terrific feed from Julius Randle. So the game was close throughout the entire contest, of course, but one player I think who is at least worth mentioning throughout all these highlights who has kind of fallen under the radar, and that's 30-year-old Reggie Bullock. He had his birthday last week. He hit a big three here in the second. Bounds the previous game. Bullock tries again. Three straight for Reggie Bullock. Back-to-back threes. And the Knicks back up by five. So Bullock percolating, devastating. Randall doing a good job. Yeah, and uh, so besides just kind of these guys stepping up to the plate, RJ in particular, Reggie Bullock, Frank Neal Cannon being back, and just running tip system defense. He's been awful on offense still. He's just not developed any part of that game. But take a look at what this guy can do, man. It's, there's no way they don't resign him this offseason. Gordon guarded by Nilakina. Brings it back out. Shot clock at four. Gordon trying to get past him. Falling away. Shot no good. That, that, that's just great defense from Frank yeah, and that was on a power forward. Frank Nielakina was doing that. Absolutely incredible. I'm a fan of the kid, and I hope he can actually continue to develop moving forward here. But take a look at the last possession of the game. And other than Reggie Bullock, who I said was shooting incredible from three-point range, which he is, but he's also playing some defense. Tibbs has got these guys turning things around. Fournier out near half court. Ten seconds remaining. Bullock guarding him. Gibson picks it up. Ball deflected and stolen by Bullock. Reggie Bullock with the steal. Burks dribbling. Gets away from Vucevic. And the Knicks will win it. What a finish. 
Pollock, who got caught with the hell ball situation, redeems himself with a big steal. And the Knicks win their fourth straight at the Garden. Defense, defense, redemption time for Pollock. You know, his birthday was a few days ago, folks. So he's celebrating now, feeling the love of his teammates with that steal. In the first game this season, he came off. So, yep, that, that ended that 94-93 victory. And the Knicks are looking to hold on to that eighth seed in the East, which I predicted they will. Although they will go through a few trials and tribulations because they have one of the hardest records in the second half moving forward. Uh, this one was not so close. That was the Atlanta Hawks and the OKC Thunder. And one guy who you just have to take notice of is Kevin Herter under this new head coach that they have. Take a look at another great defensive play. I'm already, I feel like I'm saying this all the time and I'm looking at their highlights, especially on Tuesday. Gilgis Alexander. And a steal for Kevin Herter. Tony Snell, the NBA leader in three-point percentage, drives in and Capella stumps. Their guys are just way more active, and this game I don't think was ever close, maybe even the first quarter, of course, because the game just started. But take a look again and off the rebound, John Collins, who I people are talking about in the trade talks, will probably just not happen. Gilgis Alexander, and again, good defense by Tony Snell. Lob to Collins from Kevin, timeout OKC, and the Hawks are off and running. If they can help pull it together, and OKC is not kind of the end-all be-all when it comes to good teams in the NBA, but if they can continue to play defense like this, we know how good offensively they are. And check out this last highlight for someone who seems to be forgotten. Bogdanovich is on this team, a very skilled small forward when it comes to putting in the hoop. No, that's not his game there. You know, no. He was a better catch-and-shoot guy. Absolutely. Oh, Bogdanovich. Bogan with the handle. Oh, yes. Oh, man. Very nicely done. That 116-93 victory over the OKC Thunder uh, marks the seventh straight win for the Atlanta Hawks, who are looking to make a real statement here. And uh, I have highlights for one more game, and this was kind of the big upset of the night. There's still up three other games, which I'll talk a little bit about after this one. But Washington got a big one over Utah, and it's, it all came around. Russell Westbrook, take a look. Favors sets the screen for Mitchell. Another rebound here for Westbrook. Westbrook for three. Russell Westbrook is coming out on fire. Yeah, and I was talking about some of those other players. I think he had 11 points in the first quarter there. He finished with 35 points, 15 rebounds, 13 assists, and another triple-double. We know how active he is on all levels of the court doing it again. But when I mentioned Bradley Beal not leaving last week, that came with me mentioning all some of these young guys they have. Take a look at Denny Tubonga. I hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, the connection's already starting here. Mitchell, the step back for three. Well short. Avdia up ahead. Bonga around Ingles able to finish. And now a timeout taken here by Utah. The game stayed uh, relatively close. And Donovan Mitchell actually ended with 42 points, four rebounds, six assists, and two steals in the loss. But Bradley Beal in the second half, I mean, when you have the leading score in the league, sometimes you're just going to win games and not be able to keep up. And uh, later in the fourth quarter, to seal the game here, Russell Westbrook just kind of ended the whole thing. Westbrook got fouled, and he'll have a chance for a three-point play. Oh, and then gave him the baby, <laughs> and then rocked the Yep, so that was that. Uh, again, that was a 131-122 victory for uh, the Washington Wizards, who are still uh, technically in the playoff hunt, although they have a lot of work to do with how bad they started off. Uh, in other news, the Portland Trailblazers once again beat the New Orleans Pelicans. That final just happened, if I'm not mistaken. That was 101-93. The Timberwolves upset the Phoenix Suns, who are red hot there, somehow end up doing it. Let's take a look at the stats, actually. I'm kind of curious. Carl Anthony Towns had a massive 41.10 rebound, 8 assist performance. That was able to lift them over. The uh, Minnesota is still 9-31. They have nothing really to worry about. But seeding does matter for the Phoenix Suns, and that's not one you really want to drop. The only game left seems to be the Lakers and Hornets, and uh, that's a 106 lead, 98 or 97 with 438 left. So it looks like the Lakers will probably end up doing that, getting the win there, and uh, try to work their way back up towards the first seed in the West. 
But we'll end the show off with uh, the Schneider cut here. And it's four hours long. So it's actually broken down into six parts. HBO was thinking about cutting it down equally there and kind of making a mini series out of it, which I agree that they should have done. There were times where we basically, when we were watching, we paused it after two parts to go do something. So really, it's not hard to. like. They will actually cut the movie and tell you part one, part two, part three. Uh, but this this is such an interesting project, right? Because he had to leave. I think his daughter passed away. And then they kind of gave it to, to Joss Whedon, who put a lot of cringe in there. A lot of kind of just that weird stuff that makes no sense, of course, makes it now. And when you have four hours, and again, the... Zack Snyder, this, they call it the Zack Snyder cut, but they put actors, they got contracts out. I think they spent $100 million additional dollars to make this happen. They reshot stuff, and Darkseid is in the movie. It's not really much of a spoiler. I'm sure you've seen the trailers and everything like that. Uh, the character of uh, The Flash is actually much more likable. He's such a weird spaz. doesn't talk about brunch or anything in this movie. You get a little bit of more development. Their backstories, Wonder Woman seems to be a big fan favorite. She had some really good arcs. And in Joss Whedon, I think there was this kind of storyline of her being kind of the next symbol, kind of being this next God piece because Superman in his universe really was that. And Batman was trying to push her to do that, but they never really did anything with it. So it's just kind of awkward to watch there at the end uh, in his cut. And now they kind of, they legitimately got rid of all of that. There was no actual conflict between them. They all agreed to kind of revive Superman uh, you'll see it if you watch it. I think this is definitely worth a watch. It's significantly better than the original cut of the Justice League, which is understandable because the movie was like halfway done. They gave it to Joss Whedon. It wasn't his original idea. This guy had done no work for them in the DC Universe. It was really unfair. So I'm not here to say that he's a terrible director or anything like that. Uh, but things make sense in the movie now. There's a little bit of context. There's a vision. So this kind of random thing going on in Batman versus Superman that we saw, and there was a lot of randomness in there, is fleshed out and enjoyable. And yeah, I like it. So it gets my stamp of approval. I'm actually going to be doing a podcast here uh, with Kevin on the Blue Milk Boys channel, like a full review. He kind of is a much better analyst than me, and I kind of just give my comments. But those were my initial thoughts after just seeing it before coming on the podcast. If you guys do end up watching it, let me know. You can contact me on Twitter at SpencerTheWiz. But that's going to do it for tonight's episode of the Rest Stop Podcast. Uh, Brad will be back next Tuesday. He'll be back from vacation, and we'll be enjoying that. Let me know if you guys have any uh, comments or anything like that. Uh, you can also get contact the show uh, through Brad at, let's see, I'm trying to remember the email, the Rest Stop, rest stop Podcast at gmail.com. With any things you think the show should add or anything like that, we're always open to kind of commentary from the fans. We appreciate the support from Landry Football's Podcasting Network to Twitch, to Twitter, to Facebook, getting a little bit of everything. Thank you to everybody who joined today. Cassandra, I can't, you know, I'm not even going to embarrass myself, but thank you, Cassandra, for joining on, joining the conversation. It was a really fun episode, and uh, we'll see you next time, guys. Have a great night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.